Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, along with my guest, my co-host, Ed Carbajal, and on a weekly basis, we plan to bring you the biggest news and interviews in the world of combat sports. Ed, hoping you survived any flying dollies this weekend out there on the East Coast. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we got a special guest uh, for this this, this uh, episode because uh, actually Mr. Reyes and I were talking, I think we, uh, Angelo Reyes, striking coach, uh, Anna Hulatan, Frank Mir. Um, welcome to the show, first of all. And uh, hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. No problem, man. Thank you. So this kind of came about because he and I were messaging each other during this weekend's uh, or the week. Was it Friday and Saturday? We were talking, right? Yeah. 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 So we were talking about the fight, and we were talking about everything leading up to it, and, and just uh, uh, I mean, me being on the East Coast and you guys out there. So a lot of people were messaging me, but I I would say Mr. Reyes was was in touch with me the most um, about a lot of things. I mean, uh. Last week when we were recording, actually, I think was it last week you sent us the updated photo of uh, of Frank Mir and how much yeah, weight he cut. That was the, that was from a workout, uh, right? Yeah, that that was right before he went to Slovakia uh, for ACB. So uh, super skinny man. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, he, that looks like that looked like Frank Mir um, from uh, when he when he the first time he submitted Brock Lesnar. I mean, he's looking good. Um, but the other thing yeah, was, yeah, no, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I think part of it really is it's a part of it is shock value, like because I guess everybody was looking at Frank when he did the face off with Fado. Those are the pictures that circulated, right, in January, yeah. and everybody's like, "Wow, Frank is huge." When really, probably he, right now he weighs the same when he fought uh, Bigfoot Silva, so it's the same weight. Um, I think. I think he'll probably cover the Bigfoot Silva fight. Like in the Bigfoot day, two six. So the picture I saw, the one that's on my uh, Instagram at uh, Reyes Boxing, you guys can check it out. But that was uh, that's the the actual date of that picture. So for anyone wondering, oh, is this like a blank picture? It's like I we literally put it up on the same date that I posted it. He was he was two sixty two in that photo, right? Yeah, two sixty two in that photo. I think he'll probably because we have some weeks left. He's in Chicago right now doing a media tour. Uh, this is like his media week. He he went to L.A. He was talking to Brandon Schaub. He did um, like the Power. Um, I think you know about those shows, right, Matt? They have the Big Boy Show stuff like that. So he was doing a bunch of stuff in L.A. and then um, and then now he's in Chicago and he's doing all the ghost stuff back uh, late tonight we'll train this week hey guys you know frank he's super serious about this fight i mean like like uh, so there's always frank's in such a good point in his he doesn't let haters get to him you know like he just there's people that are gonna say back and say good things and he just kind of staying very focused but but uh alone if you think about how he looked in january when he faced off against fedor and how much work he has had to put in. He looks as of that picture. <laughs> um, and again, man, I can tell you guys, he's been his ass off. Um, you know, yeah. 
there were day three a day. He's finally cut it down to two a days and we're getting pretty close to just doing like once once a day because uh fighting we we want to leave some now we can't take it all out in training. Sorry, you're cutting you were cutting away a little bit towards the end there. But um uh what I wanted to ask you was like uh as far as what you've what you've seen from the last fight uh uh that Fedor fought. You look at Fedor when he fought against Mitrion, and you look at him when he fought against uh, Maldonado, and you being a striking coach, I mean, I, I kind of feel like the edge lies with Frank Mir. I don't know, Matt, if you agree with me. I know you're, you're one of Fedor's boys with the sweater, but, but it's, like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, if, I, if I remove myself as a fan and I'm looking at the technicality of it, I feel, I feel like the upper hand lies with Mir from their past fights and how they've, how they, how they've thrown hands. Yeah. I mean, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm a Fedor, you know, lover. So <laughs> that, that goes along, but I, I'm a huge Frank Mir fan too. I've been following both their careers uh, from the beginning. Um, you know, from my perspective, I would say Mir has the, the strength advantage um, and the size advantage over Fedor uh, generally. Um, but I would think Fedor's speed could become a slight issue. Um, I'd be curious to see Angela's uh, opinion on that. Um, you know, the, the Mitrion fight didn't tell a lot uh, because it ended so quick. And I felt like the Maldonado fight was just kind of a, you know, he fought a really stupid game plan and then used a lot of heart to come back and, and uh, survive that fight. Um, but definitely curious uh, about your opinion of, of how you see that matchup going. Yeah, no, guys. Um, again, this is one of the things where, you know, I, I got brought into MMA in uh, 2014. Um, and prior to that, I was in the boxing world, obviously. And I, um, but um, and then prior to that, I was I was running my own karate dojos up north. Um, I remember Freddie yeah, would come up and like lessons for uh, David Pacquiao. I uh, went to the Bay Area and 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 did that. And one of the wonderful things I've learned in the last four years about MMA. Is, is in around as long as boxing. Um, so a lot of times I feel like we'll research things in the surface, research everything, because it's very difficult to do that, right? Unless you're not doing anything else, you know, to actually search all of Fade Frank, then, you know, then you would have a better narrative for how a fight like this can happen. Yeah. Um, now, I, uh, the, the all of Fedor, <laughs> you know, being with Frank, uh, started working with Frank Mir. I had to research, you know, I, I, I mean, again, I'm not going to pretend like you're an MMA fan prior to 2014. Liked it, it was there, but guys, I mean, I was around Pacquiao, you know, you're yeah, yeah. Freddie Rooks, like, not really paying, you know, you're not paying attention to MMA at that time, and I wasn't really paying attention that much. Um, so, uh, and, and, and within the last four years, I've really been enthralled in MMA. I mean, it's in, it's in my mind constantly, you know, I, you know, I'm always interviewing opinions and, um, a fight like this, I think if you really want to get into it and you want to do a fair comparison, uh, it's this year that I think the UFC celebrating their, their 25th year. Yeah. So that let's call forward of MMA where or really watch it, we could then agree that it's been only 25 years. 
Yeah. It's like your history then. Now you have to look back and see Fedor from Pride Days all the way to now. You know, Pride Days, um, the Sambo. I mean, I don't know this, uh, but Fedor did the sumo actual sumo match in 2012. If people knew that, I mean, that's how much of a baller I think Fedor is. I'm actually, yeah. I, in, in, in researching Fedor when I got this assignment last November, um, Frank called me. I was in the bed. He was like, hey, hey man. And I'm like, okay, cool. But I do. <laughs> you know, I'm going to start doing all the research. The more I watched Fedor and the hundreds of hours of film I've watched on Fedor, the more I actually became a fan of Fedor. That's <laughs> awesome. He's a, no wonder he's the last emperor. You know, I started yeah. really liking him. And, um, and in, I kind of understood, oh, all right, this is sort of like the, the thrust in boxing. Uh, the Joe Frazier fight. If you guys yeah. are boxing fans, historically, you fight because it was, was like an over 150. It was in Manila. It was in the later part of Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali's career. Yeah. They were birdies. And to this day in boxing, you talk about it as one of the greatest. And it's also one of the most brutal fights. Um, and it was off of two legends of the sport in 1975 that wasn't about to give up their legendary status. In fact, the famous story on that is going into the fifth, at the end of the 14th round, um, telling Joe, I'm going to stop the fight. And Joe Frazier was like, you better not. And uh, Muhammad Ali was telling Angelo Dundee, I can't go on. On and stop the fight, and Angelo Dundee was telling Ali, "No, damn it, it's only one more round." And and then, of course, stop. Ali wins. History's made. And I feel the fans are the Ali Frazier. That it's like this is going to be the thriller in Manila, in my opinion, because Fedor. Yeah. I think that when people didn't really see a lot of Dimitri on fight, I. I probably less than two minute action, you know, than most people could look at because looking at it, I was trying to see where Fedor was at, what he did, the Maldonado fight to get ready for Demetrio fight. So I think that Fedor, to be honest with you guys, is, is pissed that he lost the fight that he shouldn't have lost. And I think he is coming guns blazing. Okay. And I and actually when I when I I met him and I and I saw him in, in January in LA, it confirmed everything that I was thinking. I was already in shape. He looks fucking like you know, looks like Fedor, man. Yeah. It, like this guy's um, and 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 to me when you easy for people to go oh oh Frank, but to me I always argue the other way around and keep him team. And the way, because I'm let me take myself away from hey, uh, the, the coaches, Mr. Uh, sorry to cut you off. The uh, because we, we, we keep you keep dropping out, I don't know if it's your internet connection or what, but um, um, just uh, a comment on the uh, what you had said about um, the way Fedor the way Fedor uh, is coming in a lot. 
uh, in the past, I've noticed he loads up a lot. Like it's almost like he throws low from the hip and then straight to the head for all that KO power that he has. Um, I don't know if if, if that's something that because it seems like he, he carries his hands rather low for somebody engaging someone. Whereas whereas Mir seems to have a, a tighter stance based on everything I've seen lately since he's been with you. So is that is that a hole in his game that you see? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think, so, I, I, again, with Fedor, I don't think, um, I think that, first off, if, if you're, like, thinking Frank's a major favorite for anybody, I just got to remind him, man, it's been over two years since yeah. he would have been in the ring. So you got to put that in as a factor, um, you know, just to be fair. And Fedor, uh, after his loss to Dan Henderson, went on a six-fight win streak. And during that time, when he was going through that win streak, I felt like he was recreating his career. And I, and I kind of, um, when I was studying Fedor and I was watching him, it kind of reminded me of when George Foreman came back at an older age. Mm. He didn't just like get a title shot right away. Yeah. People forget George Foreman had to build his record to, I believe it was 18-0 and 0 before he finally fought um tommy morrison i i think uh, like i have to look back again because because i got so much fedor and mirror in my head <laughs> but i mean he he had to build his record back up even at an advanced age in his in his mid-40s yeah to get and, and did it, and, and didn't foreman have to re- didn't he retire and come back too before that even happened yeah no i mean it was because it, again he literally like was like foreman prior to the ali fight in 1974 in zaire was yeah. like the greatest freaking fighter on the planet. He was just smoking everyone. And he was definitely supposed to smoke Ali. And the fact that Ali beat him, doing it in the way he did, rope a and the whole bit, right? That's why they freaking made a movie about it. You know? like, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, it's an amazing thing, right? Yeah. So but when I think of Fedor, I think of him kind of like that, where, yeah, this guy was amazing. And then he got older, but... Your knowledge doesn't go away when you get older. And because he's a heavyweight, I think in losing the three fights in a row where he lost to Silva, then Verdum, and then he lost to Dan Henderson, I think he had to find himself again, like kind of like Foreman in a, in a shorter period of time. Yeah. But like a Foreman where there's this whole other Fedor that came back after that. And you have to really watch like every single fight and try to put yourself in that position where you go, I wonder what Fader was thinking at this point. I mean, shit, man, you get submitted by Verdum, you get blasted by Bigfoot Silva, you, a, a fight that you thought you, you were winning against Dan Henderson, and you just get knocked out. For you to come back, and then for you to all of a sudden go on the six-fight win streak, I think too often times, if you're not really giving Fedor the respect you should give him, it's easy to go, oh, oh man, it's not the same Fedor. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, I know. It's a better Fedor. He's smarter. He's gotten more confident. He now has knowledge on top of better nutrition because as time goes on, you have better nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm Russia's striking has developed even better since that time. I mean, if you just think about Olympic boxing alone, right? I mean, yeah. Klitschko suck. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of great things about what Russia was developing in terms of how to use their hands, how to get better at it. And Fedor, I think, even though he was older, his knowledge of the game of MMA started to show up even more 
but he was winning more in 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 more efficient ways. That's the way I would say it best. He because this is what I think. Like in the Maldonado fight, I know that within the MMA community, the easy way to look at that fight is to just go, "Oh man, Fedor is a shell of himself." That was crap. When really, let's pretend you didn't, like, let's say I brought in someone from the boxing world. And I said, hey, I want you to watch this fight. And he has no idea who Fedor is. And he has no idea who Maldonado is. All he would know is whatever record is there. And then I would I would tell them, I would say, hey, by the way, I just want to let you know, um, Maldonado is 24-0 in boxing. He's actually, uh, I mean, you, you know, he uh, the majority of his fights, of course, is in Brazil, but... 24-0 in a boxing ring is still 24-0 in a boxing ring. So you add that to his uh, to his MMA record. So that that fucking guy, Maldonado's got a lot of fights, right, guys? Yeah. So yeah, with that said, here he is. He's fighting Fedor. And you can tell when he dropped Fedor, I remember even having this conversation with Frank where I told him, I said, I want you to think about this, Frank. Fedor is already like the emperor of, of Russia. So it's not like he didn't get paid already to do that fight. In fact, the fight was in that country. So um, he's getting paid. So you get dropped and you're already older. You could have just said, screw it. You could have just said, ah, well, I'm not going to try that hard. You know, like, you know, there could have been a lot of reasons to not continue. And instead, man, he, Fedor, like, it made me more of a fan because it made it's kind of like Fedor said to himself, "F that, I'm coming back." And then he he comes back hard. So that's why when people tell me, "Oh, I actually thought Maldonado fought. Uh, I thought Maldonado won the fight," I look at him like, "You're nuts, dude." In the last twelve minutes alone of how Fedor fought that, I'd give him the fight just on that, just to come back from the knockdown and how he 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 goes up him. But you guys have to watch the entire fight. Prior to, to Fedor getting knocked down by Maldonado, he was beating the crap out of Maldonado, actually. Then he got caught and knocked down. Then the fight played out the way it played out. So that was the Fedor who just now proved himself in 2016. I still got it in me. I'm still Fedor, and I'm going to blow it up in Bellator now. I'm going to be the man. Oh, my first opponent's Mitrion? No problem. I'm going to go fight Mitrion. So now he fights Miriam, right? And then everybody goes, oh, you can't really tell much from that fight. Actually, you can tell a lot from that fight because Mitrion was sitting there going, F that, I'm not getting into um, Fedor's wheelhouse. So you know how like, some people would sit there and go, well, probably the easiest thing to do is walk right up to Fedor and take him down. Now, guys, if you've been watching MMA for a long time and you've seen Fedor's fights, yeah. you know for a fact that he's one of the hardest people to take down. Yeah. Very low center to the ground, He's got great hips. He actually wrestles. He uses his judo, um, and his wrestling's gotten better, but he uses his judo really well so that he never puts himself in a bad position, um, especially when clinches and grappling starts to happen. And then he explode. He can explode and strike right away from any one of those positions. So actually, it's kind of a bad idea to get close to him. And, and it's like saying, oh, you know what? Cesar Chavez let's go ahead and work them on the inside in boxing because it couldn't be that bad to, to, to work them in the body. And let's just do body training. Right. Yeah. So what, you've, perfectly, you you've know, definitely done your research here on Fedor. What, um, 
it, it, you know, that's kind of what Mitrion had mentioned about how he was reading Fedor's eyes and kind of yeah. trying to time his, 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 his jump in for the punch. Yeah. And they basically threw it at the exact same time. It's just Mitrion yeah. caught a little more of the chin. Exactly. Now, what does that tell you, though, Matt? The fact that Mitrion got dropped, and Mitrion is an athlete, right? He's a football player, athlete. He's much bigger than Fedor. I mean, I, I was with uh, Mitrion during the last fight, the Mohegan Sun, and I remember that night in the room. Um, he was doing his practice. I was there with Anna. They were both in the same mat during the practice that night. And I remember texting Frank going, fuck, dude, Mitrion is a machine, man. I think he's going to – he's really going <laughs> to, like, do an amazing job on Saturday night because you could just see him the way he was moving his legs and how muscular his calves looked and how he was moving in and out. Now, I want you to think about that. That's the Mitrion that fought Fedor. And Fedor knocked him down. So does that mean Fedor's power is gone? Hell no. Fedor's no, I... power is, is totally there. Yeah, um, I don't think he's lost any power. Yeah. I, think he, I think he's just lost a step and a little bit of reactionary time that's just come along with age. But, um, I mean... You've obviously done a ton of research, watched all his fights, which is great because, you know, it's hard not to become a huge fan and, and, and especially learn the history of, of all that going on. That's, you know, I've done that with boxing. I tell people my favorite memorabilia is a Joe Frazier signed boxing glove that I got here in my room. Uh, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's great that, you you know, you've kind of transitioned from boxing to MMA and, and really are starting to get appreciation for the sport and uh, – and learn the history. You know, you're in a position where you're allowed to do that, and it's kind of part of your job, so that makes it nice. But, uh, you know, it's nice to hear that you've actually done your homework and, and got some, uh, you know, got some respect for the legends of the sport. You know, a lot of the newer people come along and, and you know, di- don't don't realize that Fedor had those fights after his, after his three losses, uh, you know, in Japan and, and Russia. And they, they were against Pedro Hizo and Jeff Monson and, you know, Ishii. So it wasn't exactly the, the strongest, you know, uh, competition in the world but he looked amazing in a lot of those fights yeah and that and you're exactly right matt i think that that's where it's always at is is it's not so much like when you're like if you're a coach or you're an aspiring coach you want to get into mma uh, or you want to get into boxing when you're researching your opponents don't watch who they're fighting watch how they're uh how they're performing because when you watch how they perform then you'll know you can put yourselves in their shoes. Like, oh, wow, this guy really did that. You know, like probably one of the hardest fights for Fedor, if you really think about it, is the first two right after he got beat by Dan Henderson. Because he had to really figure it out for himself. Like, do I even still want to do this? Is this still even in me? And, and, I, and I really think that's one of the great things about, I think that going into April 28th, the audience, and if, if, and if you're an MMA lover, Because there's too many MMA haters, man. Like, if you're an MMA lover and you're in the sport, then don't shit on your own product. You are finally getting your Frazier Ali. You're finally getting your Mayweather Pacquiao. And by the way, you don't have to pay $100 for it. It's free. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Don't be happy already. Like, stop finding all these reasons. You know, like, sometimes I'll I'll go into, uh, uh, I'll see something. On, on social media and they'll be like Frank Mir is so fat. I'm like, dude, do I do you have you even seen Frank Mir in the last like eight weeks? He's not even close to being fat. Like like you know, or like oh Fedor's old. Really? Did you watch Fedor sparring against uh Heste Gurges uh 
you know, who's like, I think he's the husband of Denise, right? Who fights for Bellator. Um, he's the glory kickboxer because mm-hmm. he looks fr- pretty freaking phenomenal in those sparring sessions. So yeah. I'm like, people watching exactly. Like, why are you shitting on your own product? That, that's a good, that's a really good point that you're bringing up. Uh, because, uh, man, I actually talked, we talked about this like two episodes ago. And that's kind of like how you and I connected because I wrote that piece on the reaction uh, between Hulotan and Hardy at the event you referred to um, because the arena, I don't, I mean, I don't think that many people were that negative against it, but the arena, the immediate reaction in the arena was disturbing to me as somebody sitting there. I was, I was in media row, obviously you're, you were cornering Hulotan, but I was just like, as I watched it, and as a martial artist myself, yeah, it was frustrating for me to watch too. I wrote that in my piece, but, the uh, sure dog piece that you read and shared with the, with them but um that's a really good point like i mean what why 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 take it to that level of uh criticism if this is the the, the sport you're a fan of and and matt has probably been to more mma events than I mean, he's probably been to more bellator events than i've been to and i've i've been credentialed a lot so i mean matt, matt can comment on that too we talked about that a couple uh episodes ago um yeah, I mean, I've been to. I think this. I have tick. I just got tickets actually for two more events, so I think it'll be my twenty third and twenty fourth Bellator event. So, I've seen almost a quarter of their, uh, well, their two hundred events. So, an eighth of their events live. But um, yeah, I mean, you hey, know, you've, fan- de- you've debated with people in front of me when I when you were here in New York. I remember like fans getting overly critical and negative, and 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 then Matt just starts whipping out facts at him, and that, so you you make a really good point. About not 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 yeah, no, your own I, product. Yeah, when you think about like again, th- to me, if you're betting, if you're a fan and you want to bet on this fight, it's fifty fifty, guys. Like that's what I will tell you. And and part of the reason why is we're still talking about heavyweight MMA, and we're talking about two guys who within the last three years has proven they still both have power. Yeah. Frank Mir in his last like. I know everybody always talks about Frank Mir, submission, submission, submission. Yes, he's probably, in my opinion, the greatest heavyweight submission artist of all time. Some people will argue it's Nogueira. Some people argue, you know, maybe it's Verdum. I still think it's Frank. And, um, I, you know, again, I, you know, the, the, the Nogueira argument, I'll always just sit there and go, well, he broke Nogueira's arm. So there's no <laughs> argument. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's definitely the he's definitely the greatest submission uh, artist in heavyweight in UFC history. I mean, that's that's not even that's not even in debate. And you know, I think right. the odds have uh, Frank as a slight favorite. He, you know, he, I think he's like minus one eighty or something, which he's almost a two to one. But but that's that's not nothing uh, over the top. So you know, I, I don't think anybody who really watches it, uh, the sport, thinks that uh, it's going to be a blowout either way. I think that. Uh, a lot of that just comes from Fedor's history of being always being considered the best. And that's why when he lost, it was such a, a catastrophic blow to, I mean, his fans, I guess, but it just people in general who followed him and uh, you know, and it, it allowed for the, the collapse or, you know, the somewhat collapse that, that fans will say he had in his career to be so extraordinary because they expected so much of him. You know, when he lost, yeah, to Ver- when he lost to Verdun, he was like a six or seven to one favorite. You know, um, and then I even even coming off that loss, if he had rematched for doing the next week, he still would have been like a four to one favorite. It was just one of those things where people had such high expectations and 
in, in the sport of MMA, everybody loses. There's no, you know, Igor Vovchanchin went on like a 49-fight winning streak early on in the early Russian no-holds-barred days. Fedor came along, and he had his, his questionable loss, which wasn't really a loss to uh, Kosaka early in the rings uh, promotion. But after that, he rang off, I think, like 33 in a row. It, those things, those don't happen. That's why Khabib uh, Nurmagomedov is so incredible right now and is getting so much hype because he's now 26 and 0. Um, it, the number of fighters you can name that hit that level uh, of uh, a record in MMA is you can pretty much count on one hand. So I don't think anybody should think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a great fight. Um, yes. You yeah. know, I, I, I'm, I hope they both come in shape. That's my main thing is I hope that it, it, you know, I can see Frank's taking it seriously. And I've seen some pictures. Uh, I think it was with uh, Fedor uh, training with Jurgis, um, who actually yeah. just fought in uh, glory. And he went, uh, he went to a decision yeah. against Badahari. So, I mean, you're talking top of the food chain kickboxer there as well. So if Fedor's yeah. got him in, in camp, um, there's yeah. some serious training going on. Yeah, no, no, they were just sparring this week. I actually watched a little bit of it. And um, no, Fedor's coming to play, man. And um, again, every, I wish I wish the fans would just get like super excited so that this becomes like water cooler talk, you know, because I really think that you guys are finally going to get something that you like. And, and, and you know, when you think when you say blowout, like, look, I'm not going to lie, right? Do I believe that this fight could end quick? Yes, I do. I think that both fighters have massive power. And both fighters actually understand uh, submissions and grappling well enough that at any given time, that five minutes, you're, that first five minutes, anything can happen in that first round, the first five minutes. And as much as I could sit here and I try to tell you guys, oh, it's going to go the distance. I don't know that, you know, because it's still heavyweights and um, anything can happen. But if either one or the other ends up getting knocked out or one or the other ends up getting like crazy submitted. I won't consider it really a blowout. I'll consider it that they're, they've been training and training and training and then training against all these top notch competition and doing everything they need to do. And they're finally going to get to meet. And the only thing that I would hope for is that the fans realize that this first fight was so cool that maybe we could see a rematch at some point, no matter who wins or who loses um, while they're still both fighting, because you never really know when someone is thinking about retirement. You re- like, like, like Fedor, for example, for all we know, let's say he loses this fight or he wins this fight. He may already be thinking about retiring anyway, because he just fought Frank Mir, who was one of the whales that he, you know, he hasn't been able to fight yet. And then you flip it to the other side. Frank Mir, guys, before the Bigfoot Silva fight, I remember when I went into camp, everyone, like, outside of our own team was sitting there talking about how this could be it for Frank, man. He's going to end his career in Brazil. He's Hmm. just doing this as a payday. And I was, like, one of the only people sitting there going, are you guys not seeing what I'm seeing in this fight? Like, Bigfoot Silva doesn't have the hand speed Frank has. And actually, it's going to be much easier for Frank to just straight up box this kid, um, he's going to knock him out. I mean, like, just based on what I'm looking at. But, hey, maybe I don't know that much MMA. And in a, in a lot of ways, it kind of helped me that I didn't know that much, you know, in, in terms of, like, because sometimes when you're too close to the situation, yeah. you forget that it's still just hands hitting chins, right? So, yeah. 
um, anything can happen. So yeah, we don't we don't know. I, I hope again though that everybody like millions of viewers watches this around the world so that they go, wow, that was amazing, Fedor versus Frank. Instead of everybody going, man, this should have happened ten years ago. I don't know if it would have been as exciting ten years ago. I definitely yeah. think it's pretty exciting right now though. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, uh, when, when we uh, one of the first things we talked about. I mean, well. I don't even know. Sometimes I confuse me and Matt's conversations about MMA, uh, whether it's been on an episode. But the tournament in itself, I mean, you have a former UFC champ versus a former Pride champ. That that right there in itself is it's main event worthy, no matter where it is, no matter what it's a part of. But the uh, the tournament for for us as as like as fans of the sport, uh, it's it's new, it's rare in this country to have something like that in, in, in an American promotion outside of the Ultimate Fighter show. So it's definitely a big deal to us. But um, when you're talking about being new to MMA, uh, you had mentioned earlier when you came into uh, training MMA fighters uh, coming from the boxing world, I have to ask because one of the sites I write for is From Proof Media. It's a boxing website mostly, and I, 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 uh, I'm the lead MMA guy there too. And um, so one of the questions I have to ask you is when you, when you started do- coaching MMA fighters, was there any uh, flack that you got from the boxing community? Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You know, what, what, were you seen as a trader at all? No, I, I was actually lucky because I was coming from the uh, the Kate world into boxing. Ah. So, you know, having run, I haven't been a Kempo Karate, karate uh, black belt and um, running my own dojos uh, in the Bay Area for close to 30 years. Um, it wasn't really that hard. I mean, we, we added boxing into our dojo programs so that some of our students could learn a competitive sport outside of uh, karate. And then that's how I started training a bunch of uh, amateurs. We were going to national tournaments in Colorado. And, and that's how I ended up meeting Freddie Roach because one of the, the better students that we had in, in, in karate was um, Anna Hulatan. And then um, Anna was doing so great. Uh, and then she was always representing her Filipino American roots and uh, that it really got a lot of news, even when she was in the amateurs. Now, that just happened to be during the same time that Manny Pacquiao was starting to rise in the pros in, here in the United States. Oh, wow. So then they, end up, they ended up meeting each other in 2006, I believe it was. Um, you know, they, they met each other. Um, and then I remember uh, being in the gym. Uh, Anna was training a little bit with Freddie. And then uh, Freddie had already been talking about how, uh, you know, Anna's goal was to be be an Olympian and go into 2008 Olympics. But Freddie was already talking about how if, if he trained her, he felt like she'd be a world champion. Then she'd be one of the best female boxers out there. Um, and then he did that. He ended up taking over her training. And that's kind of how I got in, <laughs> into the boxing world. Nice. So, I, so in a lot of ways, I was lucky because it wasn't like I was going into the mixed martial arts world not having been a martial artist. It was actually the other way around. I went into the boxing world from being a martial artist, I just never really got into the sport of MMA, you know? Because, again, when you're talking about, you know, like, we're talking 2000 to 2003, MMA wasn't really in my radar as a, as a spectator sport. I mean, obviously, as it got more popular with, like, Elite XE, with what Spur was doing in the Like, in the Bay Area, it was a big deal because of Scott Coker. He was doing all of those cool shows up there, and you knew – hey, man, you want to go to San Jose? You want to check out these awesome shows? I mean, I remember being there for Gina Carano Cyborg Live. I thought that was cool, you know? Or um, the first UFC fight I think I went to was Oakland 
with uh, Chael Sonnen versus uh, uh, Anderson Silva. You know, the the infamous Chael was winning all the way up until the yeah. last. Uh, up until he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. So, but but again, now this that by the time MMA started, you know, being on my radar where I, I, I would like it, I was really heavily into boxing. So, you know, in 2014, when uh, one championship signed Anna to a deal, um, you know, to be in Asia at the time, one championship was showing it to a billion viewers. They were really trying to make a presence in Manila or in, 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 in to the Filipino community. Um, and you, you guys have to remember, too, this is one of the reasons why Anna uh, got an award from the Boxing Hall of Fame is that uh, at the time they didn't even have 125 women yet. You know, like, like the women's program was just starting. So, I mean, again, America, obviously, the United States is the cake, right? We know this. But if, if you reversed it and Anna did her debut as a United States person rather than doing it for one championship on the other side of the world, we could easily be talking about Anna Hulton's like Ronda Rousey because mm. she uh, kind of opened that door on that side of the world, right? Um, but again, you know, promotions on that side of the world, world, much like Fedor fighting for pride on that side of the world, it's different than fighting on this side of the world, um, in, in the U S. So, uh, so yeah, like Brandon Vera actually was, was the heavyweight that I trained before I trained Frank Mayer. I trained him for, uh, that, that fight where he knocked out uh, Igor Sabura, um, in the Philippines. So that was fun. Right. And, and it was fun to work with Brandon because here's a guy who, um, you know, major Muay Thai martial artist, but he was, I think he was coming off of like a two year losing streak or something like that. And, um, you know, he, here he is, he's, he's trying his new weight, his new body at heavyweight. And we were just kind of like talking theories and playing with these ideas. And, um, he, he actually used, uh, uh, the moves that we were covering. And then, um, and then from that point after that fight, I had already started working with Frank a little bit, um, you know, cause I started working with Frank about November of 2014. And then, um, and then, you know, our first fight together was Bigfoot Silva. So, um, and then from 2015 on, I got super heavy into MMA because like you said, Matt, it's, it's my job, right? You have to say, <laughs> I mean, like when we, when I was with Freddie, all we would do is watch boxing. So, you know, when I was with Frank, all, all I would do is watch MMA. So uh, when you were, uh, coming up in boxing or when you, when you got into boxing, who were, who were some of your favorite boxers? I, the first event I ever went to was uh, at an Indian reservation out here and it was uh, sugar Shane Mosley against Wilfredo Rivera and uh, Mosley knocked yeah. him out. Mosley knocked him out in the 10th round. Yeah. Yeah. I might've been there for that one actually. Uh, maybe. You know, and, I, I, and once I, once I saw that, I was pretty much hooked on the live event experience. Um, so, you know, I was a fan of Mosley, I Corte, um, some guys like that. And uh, I'm just curious, who, who were some of your favorite boxers that you like to watch? Well, you know, you, you have to remember, man. So me being Filipino, right? Um, obviously, it's, you know, Mandy Pacquiao. But, but of <laughs> course, you know, in the Philippines, um, we were already heavily into boxing because of Muhammad Ali, the thriller in Manila. So we were, I mean, we're, we're talking Alexis Arguello, you know, Eric oh, Pryor's wow. friends. I mean, we're watching them all. Marvin Hagler. Sugar Ray Leonard. So, you know, it was so mainstream to us that we definitely paid attention to boxing. And when I went into wildcard gym, I remember going into gym and you would just see like James Tony was right there, you know, and like, yeah, Klitschko's would be coming in or like, uh, 
I, I don't know if you remember um, uh, Juan Lascano. Uh, he was he was training over there, and you know, of course, uh, like Freddie worked with Johnny Tapia. So there's so many. Like, if I mention a name of people, like you know how like now if I say Adrian Broner, people would mm-hmm. know who he is, yeah. right? But I remember Adrian Broner when he would just when he just was turning pro, he was going into wildcard gym. Um, and, uh, and he was like the coolest kid, like, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Like, like, you know, so, uh, that, that, uh, there's so many like legend, legendary, like names that went through there. Like Mosley is, is one of them. Obviously he's great. Um, me personally, like when I think of just, I didn't get to see them live. I got to meet them, but I didn't get to see, I, I never got to watch one of his fights live as Marvin Hagler. I, I still think Marvin Hagler's probably the greatest Southpaw fighter of all time, arguably the greatest middleweight of all time. Um, and he's, he's freaking man. I mean, other than getting robbed um, by Vito Antifermo, and then um, I still think he beat Sugar Ray Leonard. Um, so he got robbed twice, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I think he was just the man, you know, uh, Marvin Hagler was amazing. That's, um, yeah. He was, he but, was badass. Yeah. Yeah. But when you, when you go down it, I mean, you guys have to remember, like, like when I was at Wildcard, those are the peak times of Manny Pacquiao. And for us, Manny Pacquiao really changed the grand scope of, of how Filipinos were even being looked at in the United States. Um, because you have to understand, like, for, he was like our Roberto Duran. You know what I mean? Like, he, yeah. he was our uh, – he, 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 it's weird in a lot of ways, but, like, Fedor is kind of like Manny Pacquiao in so many ways. You know, like, because – Prior to Pacquiao, it wasn't like we didn't have Filipinos in the entertainment industry. And it wasn't like Filipinos weren't, uh, 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 you know, already in the United States doing a lot of amazing things. But it's almost like when Manny Pacquiao came in and then he did what he did and it started to become mainstream, then everybody who had even a one-eighth Filipino blood was all like, yeah, baby. Yeah. I'm Filipino, man. I mean, like, you know, you like you start seeing it. And then it, it's interesting because when we think when we think about mainstream sports, like here's one for you, Matt, because you know, when we talk America, you gotta talk baseball, football, basketball, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so baseball, football, basketball. Well, here's one. Did you know that Tim Lincecum is Filipino? Most people would sit there and go, What? I thought he was Italian. Well, his mom's Filipino which actually makes him half, which means that he actually, you know, grew up within that, that group. Or here's one for you. If you're a Patriots fan or if you like football or you like that Patriots dynasty, just so that you know, Teddy Bruschi, Filipino. I knew that one. Yeah, it sounds like all the uh, the one-eighth Irish fans getting uh, McGregor tattoos these days. <laughs> kind of like it, but um, but that's it's very real similar to have a, a guy who kind of represents the country, and especially if it's a smaller country, you guys can really get behind the heroes. Yeah. Um, we saw it in in Dagestan. I know Russia's gigantic, but we just saw it in Dagestan when um, Khabib returned after winning his title, and you know they have people dancing in the streets and a yep. full parade for him. You yeah. know, in the United yep. in the United States, we really don't get that. Um, he actually and, had and, a big, he had a big following here too for two twenty three. Like uh, Brooklyn was all was all Team Khabib. A lot of Russians. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, because there's a lot of Polish, especially that area of Brooklyn, because uh, it's right. It's it's like eight stops. I'm talking subway New York talk, but it's eight stops from Williamsburg, and like in Williamsburg, uh, Greenpoint area, there's a lot of Polish people too. So, um, uh, like Joanna has a, a huge following in New York, and 
I was actually surprised that Khabib had so many uh, has so many fans um, that were that were with the with the headpiece and everything. Um, speaking of which, I mean that's that's kind of what, what what got what how we came about having you on the show today because um, uh, the back and forth you and I had messaging each other about uh, the 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 match between um, Rose Namajunas and uh, Joanna. Um, that was like uh, people. I mean, people are arguing about the third round at the end of our conversation. I had it two two before the final round, but um, I mean, as with your expertise, the way you were watching it, the I mean, I'm not going to show everybody my phone, but why don't you just give us your breakdown of it so you can talk about uh, what 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 prompted us talking so late at Saturday night when we were talking about the fight? Yeah, no, I, I thought it was a very exciting fight. Again, this is one of those where instead of being negative or shitting on a product that you just saw, people should be talking about how amazing of a fight that actually was in Rose Nama Yunus versus Joanna um, uh, uh, Jancic. Um, and if I think 10 years from now, if you're an MMA fan, you're going to look back at that fight and historically you're going to say, yeah, this is one of the turning points for women's MMA and how, how quickly it has, it's been evolving since um, even the uh, Chris Cyborg, Gina Carano days. So you took a, a, a fighter in Rose Namajunas, who some people felt that maybe she just got lucky against Joanna in their first fight. And in my opinion, I actually, I, I, I'm a big Rose fan. Um, I like what she's been doing with uh, uh, Trevor Whitman. I like the work that she's obviously done with Pat Berry. Um, I, I like an individual. I, I think she's pretty cool. Um, but which that's her converting her game the way she's done it is a lot of hard work. And it's also, it, it takes a very humble person to be able to do that, to be able to be this, here she is, she's getting into MMA and she's mainly known for being a finisher, but in the grappling sense, then all of a sudden you see her knock out on a Jinchecha, right? Like during that time in their first fight, you would have never thought, oh, she's going to knock out Joanna Jinchecha. I mean, Frank thought Joanna was going to kill Rose in that first fight, right? You know, so that's how most people were thinking. And then going into the second fight, I remember telling you, Ed, I actually thought the striking is going to nullify itself. Uh, like it's going to kind of make itself equal. So I thought it was going to turn into Rose grappling her and then like choking her out, maybe first or second round, right? Yeah. And I actually think what stopped it was freaking Conor McGregor, guys. That <laughs> bastard. <laughs> you know, right? I, I think that... Um, but, but, but having said that, I actually think that Rose should get even more credit as a world champion. Yeah. I think she shouldn't get less credit. And I think that Joanna just needs to take her licks and her wounds. And it's hard. Yeah. But Joanna just needs to go, hey, man, you're the better fighter than me. And if I ever want to prove that I'm actually better than you, I'm going to need to evolve my game. Just, because just, just to Rose clarify, did, the I'm sorry, just to clarify, when you said um, Conor McGregor, you mean because of the incident earlier in the week, you think she had some type of like anti-grappling jitters? Uh, no, I just think she had jitters, period, man. Like, like I, she even said it. She felt kind of heavy. And, and, and I know, like, there, okay, so when you're in fight week with fighters, there's a certain rhythm that starts to happen, okay? And if you're on the coaching side, what you were, what you're hoping for and, and you would love to have is that your fighter is so locked in by Friday 
or at the very latest by that Saturday morning that they're like pumping you up. So you don't even need to worry about like they're going up to you going, oh, man, I'm so ready to get in there. Like they're, and, and, I, and I think Rose, because of the disruption with Connor, um, it maybe made her kind of flat, like, like flattish, right? Um, and feeling that way. And it probably, it, it took a lot from her own internal team to, to galvanize all each other and, and, and support each other for her to make it into that cage and do what she did. Now, having said that, and, and I'm not trying to take anything away, but I think if Connor never did what he did, I would have been correct that Rose probably would have been like on this amazing plateau of possibly submitting Joanna and, and w- would have been flowing. But I think that a lot of the reasons why she said she felt flat is it probably took so much energy just to get herself in into that octagon that night to defend the title um, that during the fight, I couldn't say that she was 100% mentally there yet, uh, but she was definitely the superior striker. Like, they were like, don't worry about punch stats. Like, that, that, like I don't even know how that's done, dude. Like, honestly, <laughs> I mean, unless you're telling me there's like 20 people all paying attention to one person's hand, you know, and, and doing the counts that way, I don't know how punch stats work. There's no machines that show you, and it's not like basketball when a hoop is shot. When the ball is shot, like you could physically like like count it, you know what I mean? So um, you can't go off of those stats. You just have to go off of the fight. And to me, when I watched every round, it looked to me like the c- overall control of the fight, especially with it being a striking match, was going to Rose. Rose was scoring more damage. Rose was scoring more control. Um, she was she was really like fighting with Joanna's rhythm. And the fact that a non-kickboxing champion hmm. just beat one of the best kickboxing champions Europe's ever developed, to me, if, if, if all it was was that, I'd be like, dude, she's awesome. Rose Namajunas just actually beat uh, Joanna Jancic in her own game. That's crazy. That would be like Joanna Jancic, um choking out uh, you know, like Claudia Galdera. You know what I mean? Like, like if you beat someone in their own game, man, you're you're yeah. that was awesome. And well, that's, that's why I like get people trying because there's fandom. I get even people looking at it going, "Well, it was close." Yeah, whether it was close or not, though, there was no scenario where I can see Joanna getting the nod. At best, Joanna might have won two rounds, right? Well, well yeah, I mean. I, I think that uh, if you watch the fight, the first two rounds, uh, Yo- or, uh, Rose pretty much is pushing Joanna uh, back. Um, in rounds three and four, Joanna kind of takes the center of the cage and gets a little more aggressive and, and has Rose backing up a little bit. And then in the fifth round, it kind of goes back to Rose. It was close early on, and then especially with that takedown at the end. Um, but one of the things since the event that I've heard the most, uh, you know, getting into the main event with Khabib and uh, Ayakenta, is, uh, you know, Khabib is known for being this world-class wrestler. I don't think anybody can really question his wrestling skills, but I was extremely impressed with his jab. And I'd be curious to see, I know his chin being high and a little bit has, has drawn the ire of some fans. Um, I've been arguing a lot of people on the MMA community.com forum um, about it, but I thought his jab was damn impressive um, compared to where he, I don't know if you've seen any of his prior fights, but um, 
I mean, he's improved leaps and bounds um, from the initial uh, really rudimentary style of striking that he had um, when he first got into the UFC. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, um, so Javier Mendez is a friend of mine, and uh, I've known Javier like from my uh, karate dojo years in the Bay Area. I used to bring fighters into AKA um, during our boxing times. Uh, to you know where we we would have them spar some of the people there and 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 Javier's a genius man he's like he's he's probably in the 25 year history of uh mixed martial arts he's one of the brightest minds of 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 really turning potential uh uh great fighters into world champions I I don't I mean I don't you know from Kane to it is a Kane Cormier helped Luke Rockhold right and Khabib now mm-hmm. I, I mean Javier is amazing um, and I really think that, like you're saying, Matt, not enough credit is being talked about how good Khabib actually is and that his improvement and his evolution is getting so good that I don't actually know who could beat him yet. Because I remember even over a year ago, I, I, when, when the Connor thing was happening, I... I know that there's a lot of people that are like, we're saying, well, Khabib would just take them down. And I remember being one of the people going, I don't know, man. I, I mean, Michael Johnson was able to, was able to create some damage striking to Khabib. So um, I don't know. I, I mean, it's possible that Connor could knock him out the same way that um, uh, he knocked out Aldo. And now, if you were to ask me that question now, I'd be like, Khabib's going to destroy Connor. It's not even going to be close. Um, well, I think I think he still looks to take him down. Um, I, I mean, I think it would be foolish to stand with Connor. I, I think Connor, well, you know, striking's about a nine, but his his wrestling and grappling is more like a four or five. So I, I mean, to me, Khabib has a huge advantage taking that to the ground. I just um, the fans, I just have been interested to see their reaction because anybody who's watched Khabib fights has always known he had holes in his striking, um, but I felt like there was actually less holes this fight than in any of his other previous fights. You bring up the Michael Johnson fight that went Michael Johnson had about 90 seconds of, of a little bit of success, you know, a lot of shoulder strikes and a lot of air, but he still was, he was getting his shots off. Um, and then, and then he got shut down for the last 12 minutes before he got, uh, Kamara. But, um, you know, I just thought his jab was great. I mean, he went in there against a guy who was, you know, everybody said Ayakinta's only chance is to knock him out standing and he stood in front of the guy and outpunched him like 150 to 15 standing, you know. And although they were jabs, he busted the guy's face up. And uh, I, I was I was impressed with it. I, I thought uh, I thought there was less holes than uh, than he's had in any of his other fights. So yeah, I think no, co- I'm, I'm right there with you actually uh, with that because again, see, this is what I mean about how there's not enough credit being given to the fact that, like, first of all, Iaquinta he doesn't suck. Iaquinta is very good. Mixed martial artist. Yeah. He's ranked for a reason. Secondly, Iaquinta does have the ability at 155 pounds to knock you out. If he catches you, he can knock you out. He's a very young, aggressive, strong, explosive with his hands. So the very fact that on a, what is it, less than 24-hour notice, uh, Javier Mendez has to create a brand new game plan, be so locked in with his fighter, Khabib, who uh, I've met Khabib now. Uh, I met him a, a few months ago uh, when when we were in San Jose. And um, he's very locked in to Javier. They're like, it's like Pacquiao and Freddie back in the old days, right? They were very locked into each other, Javier and, 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 and Khabib. 
And for him to be able to say that, the things that he was saying to Khabib and making sure that Khabib doesn't get too excited, even when he was winning, you know, Khabib basically pitched a shutout. And if you think about it, you've now seen Khabib pitch a shutout to two of the best strikers that are in the top 10. He did it to Barboza, and then now he's done it to Iaquinta. Making an argument to say any of the other guys could beat Khabib, it'd be a tough argument now. Because I think Khabib, unless he gets worse or he gets injured, I don't see any of those guys really being able to beat him now. You know, well, like now what do you, Khabib's at that level. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, he's definitely he's definitely the top of the food chain now. I mean, you could take take away Connor Ferguson's out with his knee surgery that he put the pictures up today. But um, uh, what do you think about? So uh, Iakinta actually did an interview after the fight with TMZ, and I kind of noticed it watching it. I don't know if you guys did too. It was like in the second or third round because obviously he came in with a lot of tension. Like you know, this was not something he prepared for. Chance of a lifetime title fight out of, out of the blue, like you said, less twenty the twenty four hours notice, and in the first few rounds, it's kind of, it's like he he was just tensing up and going to take whatever came at him and try to throw back, but midway through the fight, it seemed like he got confident and uh, found, you know, he, he was the takedowns weren't so easy and he was throwing back more and uh, whether or not he was landing, but he actually said that he feels like he, he could beat Khabib now that with a proper preparation and not getting, you know, not, not getting surprised the way he did within two days notice, you know, that he thinks he can beat him. I mean, and I think that goes back to what you were saying uh, about about the fight jitters and the, the, how Connor caused all of this. I mean, uh, yeah, I know you were telling us a story before we went live about how a uh, uh, situation with Anna back in uh, Argentina. You said that you were concerned that it, it was messing with her mental preparation too. So I don't know if um, if like you said, everything that happened in the midweek affected not just Rose, but it probably I think it affected Al too. He, like he took the opportunity, but uh, it, he didn't realize the potential until midway through the fight. Is that something that that you would agree with? Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I mean, and again, from my own personal experience, like you were saying, we were talking about the story in uh, two thousand and twelve with uh, uh, there was a Filipino fighter uh, named John Mel Casimero who fought Lazarte. He goes to Argentina and he wins the world title in Argentinian soil, and the crowd goes crazy starts throwing chairs at him i mean like physically attacking him they actually like, went into the ring with clubs and was you know trying to beat him and then his trainers had to cover him and it was anybody insane. throw a dolly so, uh, <laughs> I, well it was worse than that it was worse than the dolly incident it was pretty bad yeah and they were actually physically attacking the fighter right yeah. and, it, and and of course at that time no one thought something like that would happen so it wasn't like they had like a ton of uh, a ton of uh, security like I don't know if you guys remember but when Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson finally fought remember how they had to even have a whole row of security guards in the ring so that they, they couldn't even meet each other in the beginning of the fight so when this incident happened it was shocking and it made like world news well lo and behold Ed three <laughs> weeks later uh, we, you know we I have to be in Argentina and honest fighting in a, a huge unification fight this incident happened, so it's big news to Philippine Global News. It's big news in Argentina. The governor was there. I mean, it was a big deal. And it was a huge unification fight. 40,000 Argentina people filled the arena. I remember during the week, we had full 
police security around the hotel the whole like almost two weeks we were there and before the fight you know how like normally you go into the fight you come in from your room yeah and then and then you go into the arena well on this one they had our hotel and it was a driving distance from the arena itself and 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 again we're talking forty thousand people are going to the arena so street back they literally had police escort like i felt like we were the president or something they jump us in a car we had police escort sirens are running and we go from on being in in her room to jumping into the police escort being driven like with cars moving out of the way directly into the arena and i'm sure that that whole time as calm as anna was and when you watch the fight you don't even know the backstory of of, of that whole thing happening yeah um, but I'm sure it affected her in, in some way or form. Uh, you know, and she still performed very well in that fight. I'm just saying she knocked down one of the greatest knockdowns ever done. And in, in, in she knocked her down in the second round. It was awesome. And that's what I mean is Aya Quinta, to me, like what you just said, I think Aya Quinta is amazing, man. First of all, he wasn't preparing for a five-round fight. He was preparing for a three. Yeah. Secondly, he definitely wasn't preparing to fight Khabib. That wasn't even his opponent. His uh, original opponent was, um, was it? Pat, Paul was Felder. It Felder? Yeah. Paul Felder. So Felder, what is Felder? Striker. Paul Felder is 100% a striker. So now you throw Aya Quinta in there and you're like, hey, by the way, not only are you now fighting more rounds, you're going to fight an extra 10 minutes that you didn't prepare for, but you're also going to fight a completely different style than what you prepared for. Oh, and by the way, the guy that you're fighting, in the completely different style that you're going to be fighting him. Um, he's the greatest at that style. And then on top of all of that, he wrestles bears. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you pointed this out, Ed, because on top of all of that, he had to deal with that Conor McGregor bullshit. Yeah. Like, like that's crazy. Like, so I Quinta in my book, he's way up there. I mean, they should rank him like number one right now. Well, I saw, you know, I saw him fight. I saw I kids. I saw I kids to fight in uh here in Jersey, uh, amateur. It was a uh, combat in the cage seven. Um, some local promoter put it on, and back then, I mean, he was a kid back then, but I could tell that he was on another level, uh, just back then. So that's why, and so I've been following his career ever since. I can't remember the year. Um, I'd have to look it up, but. I've been watching him t- his way into the UFC from being, you know, he's from Long Island. A lot of uh, there's only six degrees separation between a lot of the guys out here that do jujitsu or, or anything in MMA, and um, I could tell he was on another level back then. He's definitely uh, right where he, I always saw him. I, I I could see him holding a title in the future. He's still young, um, but um, he's he's definitely so. When he did that TMZ interview, and you just said what you you told us a story about Anna and and relating it to all the jitters because of outside of event things that happen that can ruin an event like like connor um i'm just like uh i i have a feeling like maybe he's onto something and maybe he could be could be especially now that he's felt them because i don't know if it could be uh matt has could be fought anyone rematched or, or no not that i'm aware of i i you know the, the thing about uh al is that he has the style to be competitive with Khabib. I don't, you know, I told you last week that I didn't think when Holloway was scheduled, I told you if Holloway had a hundred years to train for him, I didn't think he would beat Khabib. Um, 
So I don't think Al ever would will, will beat Khabib, but he his style is the style that is needed to do it. Somebody that's a good enough wrestler to be, be able to avoid some takedowns and have a heavier enough punch. He didn't get off a lot of punches, and whether that was because he wasn't training for a five-round fight or he was just gun-shy over looking for the takedown. I mean, when Khabib takes you or down, he doesn't – or the Connor incident. <laughs> well, there's there's all that, but when when Khabib takes you down, he doesn't. There's no pitter pat. He's beating you up. He's punching you. Uh, Al went through two tough rounds of that. In the first two rounds, I mean, he got he got, it was a landslide. The first two rounds, he got taken down and he got hit with a hundred or fifty punches each round. Um, and then you know he, so it, it's the, the person that's going to do it is going to have to be the person that's brave enough to stand in there and throw the big punch while being able to still be quick enough to avoid the takedown, whether that's going to be an Eddie Alvarez, whether that's going to be a, a Ferguson. Um, I, I don't, I don't see anybody, you know, Justin Gagey, if just Justin Gagey has got a style to do it because he's, he's got balls and he, he's not <laughs> afraid to be taken down. Yeah. I, I think if you get over that fear of Khabib taking you down at that point, somebody might be able to stand in the pocket and lay him out uh, or catch him with a three or four punch combination as he's, as he's lifting his chin and going back. Um, basically what happened to Anderson Silva and Chris Weidman, although that was more of Silva uh, clowning around. It wasn't until Weidman yeah. put together a combination and caught him with that third punch that that caught him on the chin as he was backing up. So, you know, I know we're getting quick on time here, low on time, but real quick, uh, for back to the Bellator Grand Prix, I think anybody with a brain would say that uh, any that the Fedor versus Mir winner is likely to, to beat Chael Sonnen. But um, I don't well, know, man. Hey, well, no, no, no. <laughs> not in my MMA world will Frank Mir or Fedor ever lose to Chael Sonnen. So we're not going to go there. But uh, on the other bracket, um, on May twelfth, uh, I'll be heading up to the event in San Jose. What What do you think about uh, uh, Brian Bader and uh, King Mo? Uh, re- two equal styles, um, kind of wrestler strikers. Uh, curious about your uh, your prediction for that one. Yeah, no, well, I mean, first of all, I, I got to give you guys my biased opinion because King Mo's a friend of ours. He's actually a major reason for why, um, you know, uh, Ana ended up going to Bellator uh, also. And I'll, I'll probably see you there then, uh, uh, Matt. That'd be great. Um, but um, uh, I obviously, I'm, I'm going for King Mo, you know, so that's my personal opinion. Um, but stylistically, uh, I think that this is a fun fight for the fans to watch. Because really what you're seeing is two of the very best 205ers. I mean, Bader is the champion at 205, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And this is really the fight that was supposed to happen like a year ago. (laughs) You know, the the Bader versus King Mo. And and I think that in a lot of ways, this is fun to watch because neither one has to worry about weight cutting. So you're going to get to basically see them fight at whatever their natural walking around weight is. Um, and I think that the wrestling, it, it'll be interesting because King Mo's already beaten him twice in regular division one wrestling. Um, this is MMA. Um, so it's, it's easy to sit there, especially given Ryan Bader's run of, of, of recent on how well he's been doing. I mean, this is not the Ryan Bader that lost to, uh, Anthony Johnson. This guy's doing pretty awesome right now. Yeah. But can he beat the same guy that just beat the crap out of Rampage Jackson? Because when you talk when you talk about using wrestling and using boxing in an MMA scenario and putting it together, 
King Mo's probably one of the very best there is. And, yeah. and I think that King Mo doesn't get enough credit that he's actually a smaller uh, yeah. uh, a body and he tends to beat bigger people. And now that he knows he can out-wrestle Bader, I think this comes down to Bader striking. I think that has Bader gotten so good at striking that he can make King Mo respect it? Or is King Mo basically going to do to him what Khabib did to Ayakuta? Mm-hmm. And are we basically going to see kind of a the same exact thing. And, well, and I, I'm kind of leaning towards a Khabib Iaquinta type win for King Mo. And hmm. that's not because I don't like Ryan Bader. I'm just talking stylistically. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, if I could just chime in really quick, because uh, I actually wrote a piece over at Front Proof Media. I, I started this, uh, I called it uh, underrated, and I was listing fighters that I thought were underrated. The first one I wrote, it might have been the first or second one I wrote, but I wrote one of those pieces is about uh, King Mo because of the fact, and the reason I, uh, I forget what, when, what, 2016 or 2015, and Matt, you might have to help me out on this, but he fought like three or four times and he closed that year doing the first Ryzen tournament, right? Yeah, it was like a 220 pound, I don't know what kilo that comes yeah. out to, but it was like a 220 pound cruiserweight basically um, tournament. Yeah, he won that. He's got a win over Czech Congo. Yeah, and, um, and he's won these types of tournaments. He's been in these types of tournaments more than any of the other guys in this tournament. So, I, I, yeah. I mean, for an MMA tournament, I mean. So, in, it, within 48 hours, like he fought the day before New Year's Eve and then on New Year's Eve, right? Yeah, exactly. He fought, uh, yeah, he fought the day before and then he fought twice on, on New Year's Eve. Uh, you know, it's, I think well, he fought on the 29th, basically, of the month, and then he fights twice on the 31st. Um, yeah, I mean, he's 9-1 and one at heavyweight, and his only loss is to Mirko Krokop. Yeah, so. Yeah. I yeah, think you know. I I think he's the one that's he's like he's uh, people are are seriously overlooking him for this tournament. But um, yeah, I mean, we can we can close it with that. I mean, I don't know. Are you on the same page with King Mo Matt or? Yeah, I I said it on the other show. I it, I think they're really similar uh, fighters. Um, and I I'm I'm curious how Mo is now. He's a little older than Bader. I don't know their exact ages. I have to look it up. But and I know Mo's had some injuries. I initially picked Bader just because I thought he was a younger kind of exact version of Mo. Um, but interesting hearing, uh, hearing Angelo's, uh, take on it. You know, I, I think it's going to be a really close fight. I, I, I would like to see it become a ground fight would be really kind of cool. Um, usually when they, when you have equal styles, it kind of ends in a, in a boring kind of a jab fest or circling, but I would love to see him hit the mat and see some really good back and forth wrestling and ground and pound. But, uh, you know, I, I'm curious about the winner of that fight against Mitrione. I wasn't impressed all that much with Mitrione's against uh, Nelson. I know, I know Nelson's a, a, a big guy and and got a and tough and Mitrione, you know. But I think both of those guys might have the speed and and uh, ability to be able to hang with Mitrione. So, yeah, I I think it's gonna be a great fight. I'm looking forward to it. I, I just got my plane flight booked and a hotel booked, so uh, I'll be heading up to San Jose for that. So hopefully, I'll run into you up there and. Uh, you know, talking about the next round of the tournament. Cool. Yeah. No, can I just say, give you guys a little in, insider information on, on King Mo. Um, he's been sparring with uh, Trevor Bryan and Trevor Bryan's getting ready for a, a heavyweight, championship, uh, it's a heavyweight main event fight himself. And uh, I'm telling you, man, I mean, I don't know who Ryan Bader is sparring with, but when it, but King Mo's hands are, are wickedly legit. And, and I actually, I thought that King Mo had the best chance to make it out of that side of the bracket into the finals. 
I, I uh, uh, recently when I was talking to King uh, a couple of months ago, we were we were uh, together in Mohegan, and I told him, I said, "Hey, man, so you know, just depending on how everything goes, and you make it to the next part, and Frank, you know, we we make it to the next part. Uh, what do you think about us, you know, like teaming up together? And you train, you could help Frank with uh, Chael, and then we could we would help you with Mitrion, and and you know, it's kind of cool. And he was like, "Yeah, that'd be awesome." And then King Mo, he's so funny, man. That's why I love him. He's like, he's really like all the way real, like good, bad, indifferent. He's always real. He looks at me and he goes, well, you got to know, right, coach, if we make it to the finals, you're going to have to take that L. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Mr. Reyes, for coming on and joining me and Matt here on the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I don't know if there's anything else you want to plug or, or promote before we uh, call it a night. Uh, floor is yours. Yeah, no, I, I just want to say definitely, um, just, I'm not just saying this because I'm on your, you guys' show, but um, I love it in the sport that's so young when you have journalists or people like like Matt, you clearly do a ton of research, man, and uh, you really know the sport well. And from a journalist perspective, I think that uh, – more people should support that, you know, because you're, you're trying to make more fans. You're trying to share with them uh, information that maybe different perspective that maybe they didn't even think of. And, you know, I'm a big fan of your writing. I, I mean, I, I think that, that that's just great. I think that, Thank you. that passion and that positive hunger you have for the sport of MMA, it's, it's going to be people like you two that, that eventually when this sport's been around for 50 years, you know, you guys might be the senior writers now or senior journalists at that point that just basically started as passionate fans of the sport. And I, and I think we need more of that. I, 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 you know, so I just want to compliment you guys. And I, and I think for you guys listening to the show, you should read more of their stuff because it's actually pretty informative and it's very good. I know me as a coach, I'll be paying attention to it because you might actually give me information that I didn't even uh, <laughs> think of. And then, um, yeah, I, you know, I really want everybody to watch April 28th. I, I think that as an MMA fan or just a combat sports fan, you're going to rob yourself of an opportunity for what might possibly be the greatest heavyweight fight you guys are going to get a chance to see. Certainly, like I said, you could compare it to like an Ali Frazier three. Um, but I think it's going to be fun, man. And I, and I really think that uh, Fedor is going to come and bring it all. And I know 100% that Frank's going to give it everything he's got. Um, and I don't know how it's going to end. Everybody keeps asking me, Matt, everybody keeps saying, how's it going to end coach? And I'm like, I don't know. Could end in a submission. Um, it could end in a knockout. I don't know. I don't know. I know it will be explosive though. Well, everybody will be tuning into that. That'll be uh, Bellator, uh, 198, um, on, uh, and that'll be April 28th on the Paramount network. Um, well, thanks for having or coming on and joining us. Um, everybody can follow you at at Reyes Striking on Twitter, um, and follow us on at Combat Hour on Twitter, and follow myself uh, at MMA Hawk Twenty One on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow Ed at at Carbizal, uh on Twitter. So uh, thanks for joining us again, Angelo. Uh, great talk and uh, some really good information. Thanks, guys. Thanks.